Well, thank you so much. Good morning and welcome to Woodlands Church. We're so glad that you're here. Yes, you can be seated. We're just so glad about what God is doing here at Woodlands Church this summer. We also know that summertime is a time when a lot of families move into the area and perhaps you're new to Woodlands Church. You're still trying to find your church home or you've just recently decided that Woodlands Church is gonna be your church home. Let us just say to you, welcome. We are so glad that you're here and we know that God wants to use you in this family in a powerful way. So let me actually ask you, if you are new to Woodlands Church or you've been coming here for a while and haven't yet really gotten connected, if you would go ahead and pull out your program and you'll find a section in there, an insert called Get Connected. If you would honor us by taking the time just to fill that out right now, start filling it out and then drop that off during our time of offering, that's just our way of helping you get connected here at Woodlands Church. We don't want to bug you. We just want to make sure that you're able to get into a place of this family where you're able to use the gifts and the talents the Lord's given you and really feel connected here in a powerful way. There are so many great ways to get connected at Woodland Church. In fact, this week we are celebrating the 20th anniversary of one of our uh, incredible ministries. It's our restoration ministry, a ministry for people who are struggling through hurts or habits or hangups and things in their lives. And that ministry has been going for 20 years, helping hundreds and thousands of people move through some of the most difficult times and things that they're dealing with in their life. And so we have a big celebration for that this Tuesday at 7 p.m. Uh, over in our children's wing. And so if you're looking for restoration, you're dealing with a hurt or having a hang up, it's a great time to get plugged in. Or if you've come through that ministry and you just want to come celebrate together what God's doing, it's a great chance to celebrate this Tuesday at 7 p.m. in our children's area. Hey, speaking of our children's area, we have an amazing event coming up. We've had some amazing summer camps this year, but we have our biggest event still to come. We have our VBS, our Vacation Bible School for our church, and it is for three-year-olds all the way through fifth graders, and we're talking about, it's a space theme uh, a summer, all about the out-of-this-world promises that God has for our life. And I would bet that if you grew up around church, you probably remember some of the VBSs that you attended, the friends you made, the Bible verses that you memorized. And, and, and it's funny on how some of those things really do lay the foundational principles for our life. Don't let your little one miss out on what God's doing because the community is not missing out. Did you know that we already have over 1,200 kiddos signed up for our VBS program? God's using it in a powerful way. We want to make sure that your family's a part of it. So sign up because it doesn't start tomorrow, Monday, but it starts a week from Monday. It's a powerful occasion. You don't want your kids to miss it. It's really going to be a lot of fun. Make sure they get signed up for VBS. Hey, speaking of connection and change, this is a big change fall for the student ministry. We are doing something different because God has grown us to a place where we have to do something different. For our student ministry, we are moving to a Wednesday night service for sixth through 12th graders starting August 21st, okay? We are kicking off for the bang. It's gonna be a ton of fun. There's a couple of reasons why on my heart, I felt like we really needed to make this change. One is to support your students who are working so hard to reach their friends for Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, if you remember when you were a teenager, but it is pretty hard to invite someone who, has, who is not connected to God's love yet and to say, hey, you know what you should do? <laughs> you should take your weekend off and you should get up on Sunday morning and come to a place where we're gonna sing songs together, okay? And, and hear from God's word. That's kind of a tough sell, but on Wednesday afternoons, we're gonna challenge our students to say, hey, on Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, tell your friends on Wednesday, come hang out with you after church and we're gonna be up here. We're gonna have awesome connection time. The doors are gonna open at 4.30. 
We're gonna have the whole plaza set up with tons of games and activities all the way in the lobby. We're gonna transform this building into a student building on Wednesday nights because it is gonna be that big. God has grown the student ministry to where we won't fit in our student building and we will be meeting in here on Wednesday nights. It's really gonna be a powerful experience about what God's doing, so yeah. Now on Sunday mornings, you may say, what does that look like for my teenager on Sunday mornings? Know this, if you have a sixth, seventh or eighth grader going to this fall, we will still have a student service for them over in our, what is now gonna be the junior high building uh, is our former high school building. They're gonna be meeting in that building. They're still gonna have service. So nothing's really changing from them. And we are still gonna have a student ministry experience for our ninth through 12th graders. We're gonna gather before service together. We're gonna sit in a section together, worship together, be a part of worship in here, which is gonna be a ton of fun. We're gonna do breakfast before the services together to connect and have that moment of connection where we get that chance. But on Sunday mornings, our pastors only get like five minutes of connection with students before service. On Wednesday nights, we'll get hours of connection, pouring into their lives, getting to know their friends who they're bringing here for the first time and helping them take the next steps of their faith. So please be praying for that. It is a major change, no doubt about it. And I need you to trust me as your student pastor to know that we've prayed about this a lot and we really believe this is what is necessary for us to take the next step in our faith. And I know that some of you are already saying, man, I've got some Wednesday night commitments this fall. Our kids do. Man, work with us. Let's continue to challenge that and push that. And like I said, we're gonna have amazing things on Sunday morning still, but we want every student to be able to be a part of what God's doing on Wednesday night because it is going to be community changing what God's gonna do here on Wednesday nights this fall. So don't miss it, it's gonna be great. Well, hey, right now we are wrapping up a series called God Connection. And as you may know, Pastor Carrie and Chris are on their study break right now, planning and preparing, as you just got a little sample of, of what is going to be the most incredible season of life change this fall that Woodland Church maybe has ever seen. And so they're planning, focusing on planning and preparing for a crazy fall launch for Woodland Church. And we've been in a series called God Connection. Two weeks ago, Josh and Steven did an awesome, crazy message on worship that was a lot of fun about how to connect with God through worship. And if you were here last week, our teaching pastor, Lee Strobel, and best-selling author, Mark Middleberg, did a crazy, amazing uh, message on answering questions and answers that are objection connections, things that keep us from connecting. And today, you are gonna be super privileged to hear from two amazing pastors, two very good friends of mine, our head media pastor, Ryan Shook, and our head high school pastor, Pastor Jordan Alpha, who I'm very close with, are gonna be talking to you all about four ways that we really need to focus, four things that we need to implement in our life that are building connection. They are two very powerful communicators who see things in a really unique way that I know that you're gonna enjoy. So let me encourage you right now, just sit back, relax, and open up your heart and let God change you from the inside out because this is church and you're at home, welcome. Well, hey everyone, we are so excited to be with you today. My name is Ryan Shook and I'm our creative director here at Wilderness Church. I'm also, if you haven't noticed from my haircut, I'm also Pastor Carrie's son. Mm -hmm. Some people like to say that it is genetic, but I say it's a lifestyle choice. Yeah, I mean, that's your choice, bro. It's good, it's a good choice. You know? Yeah, it's it's a, it is it's a, a strong choice that you made, that's great. And here with me is our high school pastor, Jordan Alpha. Jordan is not only a amazing high school pastor. He's also an incredible part of the Woodlands Church and Shook family. Uh, so he's my brother-in-law and we love hanging out together. We have a beautiful family. Take a look at this picture of us a few months ago. Yeah, so we took this picture a few months ago. You see Chris and Carrie there in the middle with all the grandbabies and the kids on the outside. Megan, in, and Megan is in the green there, my wife. Um, and Pastor Carrie is actually holding Lincoln, our baby boy. Now Lincoln just turned one. 
uh, he's starting the whole walking thing, all right? So it's an adventure. Uh, but the thing about Lincoln that we love is that he has the spiritual gift of chubbiness, okay? <laughs> he is dense. He is a dense boy, and we love how sturdy he is. It's incredible, right? Yeah, my kids especially love baby Lincoln because Ben and Joanna are a little older than Lincoln, but because he's about the same size, mm-hmm. they love just squeezing on him, holding on him. They can't really fight back yet, so they love that about him. But we really do have a beautiful family, and we have a beautiful family. We love hanging out together. But today we're talking about a family that's just as important, and that's our church family. So in God Connection, as we continue this series, we're talking all about connection, and we're not, today we're talking about both connecting with others and connecting with God. Yeah. There are four really important connection points that Jordan and I have identified and really talked about. Here's what they are. You have to connect for health, for support, for growth, and effectiveness. It's, if you can align these four points of connection in your life, you can really grow and experience new heights of spiritual um, just growth that you've never imagined before. But it takes a lot of energy and strength to do that and some practical ways. We're going to give you those. That's right. And so before we get into all that, we want to honor God's word with our key verse today. So if you would please stand with me uh, as we honor uh, the word. I'd also like to say welcome to everybody worshiping with us online or at our satellite campus. This is wherever you guys are. You're so welcome here. So let's read together. It says here in John 17, verses 20 and 21, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, Lord, we love you. God, we give this message to you. We give this body, your church, to you this morning. Speak through Ryan and I. Give us the confidence that comes from the authority that you have given us. Uh, Calm our nerves, Lord, and let every word that we say be from you. We love you, and we give this message one more time to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. This week, Ryan and I got to do something pretty fun. Uh, We sat down with our brothers, Josh and Steve, and there's a little internet trend going on right now, a little thing called the Hot Ones Challenge. Basically, people are eating crazy spicy foods, getting fun reactions so everybody can laugh at them. We decided to make a little game out of it called Know Your Bro. We wanted to see how well connected we were to each other. So check out this video. I think you're going to like it. Oh, my. That was brutal, you guys. I tried to get out of that video so many times. I told them, I'm the creative director. You can't, I can't work on it. I've got I've to shoot the video. I can't be in it. But my brothers were not having it. They forced me to do it. It was a lot of fun. But it made me realize, uh, more than anything, that I just don't know my brothers nearly as well as I thought I did. There's so much I don't know about my own family because I rarely take the time to connect with them and get down past surface issues. Think about it. When was the last time that you had a face-to-face conversation with someone that lasted long enough for you to get down to the question, how are you doing really? That's a tough question to answer, and it's something that takes time to get to. We all have three relationship circles that we have to focus on. In your notes, you'll see it. The, the circle here. And the outer circle is friends, then family, then there's a center circle. That center circle is your connection with God. What, put, go ahead and put that down. That's the connection with your creator. I want to go ahead and talk about the barriers to connection in each one of these circles. This first circle, the connection with your creator, is so crucial because you can't skip over it. It is the foundation on which all other relationships are built. If you skip over this one, then you're going to miss out on so much of the growth and the health that God wants for in your relationships, and everything else that Jordan and I are going to talk about today will be wasted effort. So how do you make time for God? 
A regular quiet time is what's so important, and you don't have to be a Bible scholar to do it. All you have to do is put time, some amount of time each day to say, I'm going to connect with God, I'm going to grow in Him. If you don't have a daily devotional or a Bible study that you're doing, there are a lot of good ones out there. But here's one that I recommend trying. Go to the Woodlands Church website, wc.org, and click on the devotional tab at the top. That'll take you to Pastor Kerry's daily devotional. It's a free blog. It's really quick. It's easy to do. And every morning you can get delivered straight to your inbox. If uh, Setting that foundation and allowing that to be part of your day sets the tone for all your relationships and the conversations that take place throughout it. Now, once you've begun to establish that strong foundation of connection with Christ, you can begin to work on these other circles that we look at, the family and friends. So the first reason you have to connect is for health. That's point one. Go ahead and put that down. Connect for health. This is what it says in Ephesians 4.16. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Healthy lives are built on healthy relationships. God designed you to be healthy and growing with the people around you. The problem is we now live in a world that is full of distractions. When we try to get close to others, we put up barriers. Sometimes those barriers are emotional, but just as often we put up physical barriers. It's the smartphone in your pocket that's with you all the time, practically connected to us. Tell me if this conversation's ever happened at your house. You're trying to get through to your friends or your family or your kids, and you're trying to tell them something really important, trying to connect with them, and all you get back in response is this. Uh-huh. Yep. Maybe later. Sometimes the answers I get back to the questions I just asked aren't even related to what I asked. It's crazy. Our families are growing in the same family. We're, we're growing up in the same house together, but we're growing apart. Families are being fractured all the time, even if they're in close proximity, because they're missing that deep connection they need to grow and feel loved. Now we have entire conversations with our families via text. We'll text our kids upstairs when they went for dinner. We'll text our spouse in the room over what they're doing. It's crazy. But some of you parents have come up with some pretty clever ways to get through to your kids. Check out some of these texts. This first one from a mom to her kid. Don't forget to unload the dishwasher. Did you finish your homework? We have to go to your grandmother's house for Thanksgiving. I wonder how long this next one took. Dad and I talked. We're going to buy you a car next month. You are? OMG, thank you. No, we're not. I just wanted to make sure you were getting my texts. I love that one. Or what about this next one from a dad to his son? Son, you're in big trouble. Why? Because you're texting me while you're in school. Are you serious? You texted me first. <laughs> I think some of you parents are probably going to try that when school starts again. Some of you parents are really vicious. I mean, you use text in all kinds of creative ways, but some of you are just trying to keep up, like this mom. What does IDK, LY, and TTYL mean? I don't know. Love you. Talk to you later. Okay, I'll ask your sister. <laughs> oh, those texts are so good. I love those. But just a, few, just a few years ago, all you had to worry about was phone calls and text. The that was the worst we had to worry about as parents. But now, with the advent of social media blowing up in our faces, it's completely changed the way that our kids and our families communicate. And now there are all kinds of new barriers to true connection. This, this social media impact is hitting me especially hard now that I'm a dad. Teenagers and kids even younger are growing up in a world totally distorted by surface-level likes and the number of fake friends they can have. It's crazy. Instead of forming real relationships, our kids are growing up in a world where they feel like their social media profile has to be perfect and they have to perform to be loved. I can't believe this is happening. So how can you help yourself and your family connect for health? 
there are two practical ways that I want to give you that can help you connect for health. I'm sure many of you are probably thinking right now, that's all good stuff. It's good to connect for health, but try taking the phone out of my teenager hand, teenager's hand and then tell, come talk to me. And I know how hard it can be to be intentional. I have the struggle every day in my family. But here are the two things I want you to try this week that I think can make all the difference in your ability to connect and grow as a family. Here's the first one. Set screen time limits. So each family is different, and no family is going to be exactly the same. But what I encourage you to try is to set a window from maybe 5 to 8 p.m. or or 6 to 8 p.m. a few nights a week, where you're not going to have any smartphones, any screens. This time together will allow you to stop hiding behind a phone screen or a TV screen and really connect as a family. Now, that may be hard for your whole family to get on board with, and that's totally normal. What I encourage you to do is set a screen time limit for yourself. Even if your whole family isn't doing this with you, it can make a huge impact on your own ability to connect if you will limit yourself and your technology use. The other day after my son had been watching television for a few hours, I said, hey, it's time to turn it off. You've been watching too long. Go outside, play with a friend, do something else. I turned off the TV, and then he immediately turned around and said, hey, why'd you turn that off? I go, well, you got to stop watching TV. And he said, you have your phone. You're still using it. And I hadn't even noticed that I was staring at my phone while I had switched off the TV and had barely paid attention to, the, to him during that conversation. It's crazy, and I can be such a hypocrite. And if I'm honest, I need the screen time limits as much as my kids do. Here's the second practical thing I encourage you to try this week. Focus on quality time. There's no substitute for quality time with your kids. This is something that my parents did so well with us growing up. What I encourage you to try to do is, at least once a month, but maybe more often if you can, take each of your kids and your spouse out individually for coffee or lunch or some other kind of activity. If you want those relationships to grow, that quality time is so crucial. And that time pays huge dividends. That's something that I still remember doing with my dad very often when we were kids, is going out with him. He'd take us out to lunch, even when things were really busy at work. And I always valued that and cherished it. I know that your kids will value it as well. If you want those connections to last and to grow, you have to put in that time. There is no substitute. Now, up to this point, some of you are maybe thinking that you don't use social media. Your social media network was called outside when you were a kid, and you don't have to worry about that. And maybe you're thinking also that because you have a healthy family relationship, you don't have any connection issues, but that's just not true. A recent study by the research firm OnePoll revealed that the average American hasn't made a new good friend in over five years. But that same study said that almost, that almost half of them would try to make new friendships if they knew how or had more opportunities to do so. That's what I want to do now. I want to show you how, give you some practical steps, and I also want to give you a great opportunity for connection. For many of us, it can be difficult to form those new relationships, especially as you get older. But we have an ongoing need for social and spiritual support. That's point number two. You have to connect for both health and you have to connect for support. Go ahead and put that down in your notes. Connect for support. This is what it says in Ecclesiastes 4.10. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. Then in 1 Peter 3.8, it says this. Finally, all of you should be of one mind Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Time and time again, Jesus talks about the church as a body or a family of believers. It's so clear that God wants us to be in community. We need that desperately. But far too often, I treat church like it's an event or a place to go. I think it's easy for any of us to fall into this trap of thinking that church is a place to go and not a place for our growth and support. Now, at least a few decades ago, you had a friendship support network in your neighborhood. You knew your neighbors. You could trust your community to help you when you needed it. If you needed something, they would help you. But when was the last time that you asked your neighbor for anything? 
if I need something like um, an item or some food or, a, or maybe need to borrow a, a piece of equipment, I'm going to order it on Amazon and see if I can get one day shipping. Or if they don't have it on Amazon, I'm going to do curbside pickup at my grocery store so I don't have to get on my car. It's really interesting, but we have done so much to try to take away the human interaction element, to try to not have to interact with others. I don't know if that's conscious or subconscious, but we all do it. Technology has also made our lives more efficient, but it's taken away a lot of those opportunities for warmth and connection that used to exist just a few years ago. Society has changed dramatically, but our need for human connection and human warmth is still as strong as it's ever been. We feel that deeply inside of ourselves. God designed you exactly the way before all these changes. He designed you for growth and support. This is one of the things that I love most about the local church, that in a world that's obsessed with eliminating unnecessary interactions, the church says the Christian life is all about interaction. It's all about loving and serving others and connecting with them in community. That's what Jesus always did. He always set the example. Jesus never skipped out on an opportunity to connect, to love, and to reveal himself. I love that also about our church, that when you come to the church and you walk through those doors, someone who's new feels the warmth and love and support of a family who doesn't want anything from them. They just want to love you. But here's the problem. If you're only connecting on the weekends, then you're missing so much of what the Christian life is about. You have to be in community and connection. Here at Woodlands Church, everything that we do has a biblical foundation. Here's what it says in Acts 2.46. This isn't in your notes, but let me read it to you. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So when the early Christian church was just forming, they were getting together regularly. They were meeting up constantly and connecting. Today, our biblical model for this, based on this idea, is called life groups. You may be in a life group or be familiar with the concept. The whole idea is that you meet together regularly with a group of people who know you and want to connect and love you. Many of us have heard life groups talked about before and are familiar with the concept. And you might be in a group now, like I said, but a lot of what makes life groups special is the unique personalities and how they interact. What I want to do now is look at some of these personality traits that are in your notes, and I want you to be thinking about how this might play into your current or future life group. Also, if you came with your spouse or a friend, go ahead and check with them. Where do they fall on this scale? I want you to circle where you think you fall, and let's compare it. Here's the first scale that we have. It's the introvert-extrovert scale made famous by the Myers-Briggs personality test. You'll, on the, if, you're a, if you're an extreme extrovert, then you love talking with other people. You've never met a stranger, and you just love to connect and grow. Now, if you're an extreme introvert, you probably prefer to have one-on-one -on -one conversations. And really, you prefer, if you're in a large social setting, you're probably going to get drained. Where do you fall on that scale? As, a, as more of an introvert myself, I can get drained when I'm in a large social setting for so long. So I love it when I have an extrovert with me in a party or in a conversation, because I know as soon as things start to die down or get awkward, the extrovert's going to jump in with a story or a similar anecdote or some, some funny joke. And I love that. You may have an extrovert friend that you love being around as well. If a life group is made up of all introverts, it's going to be pretty quiet. I don't think there's going to be much conversation happening. There's going to be a lot of good spiritual thought, though. If a group's made up of all extroverts, though, no one's going to be able to get a word in. Everyone's going to be talking. So you need a healthy mix of both introverts and extroverts to make a group conversation work. Now, this next scale that we have here is the thinkers and feelers scale. If you're a thinker, you probably prefer to sort through um, things more analytically. You probably approach things with a system process and you prefer to have things clearly laid out. If you're a feeler, you approach questions and problems 
from more of a heart perspective. It doesn't mean you're illogical. It just means you prefer to have a lot of empathy in situations rather than head logic and focus on numbers. You want to see how things feel in your heart. My wife is a little more of a feeler, for example, and I'm a little more of example. I'm a little more of a thinker. Now, just because she's a feeler and I'm a thinker doesn't mean we always, you know, have issues. For instance, uh, just last year, my wife told me she felt strongly that we needed to be hosting a life group. We had been in a group, and she felt like it was time for us to step out and serve in others and host a group in our home. I told her as a thinker that I think that's a good idea, but maybe a better idea would just be to stay in the life group we're in. And I think maybe that it's a lot of work to get a group going, and I think that it'd probably be better if we just stuck with what we're doing. Well, a few weeks later, we hosted our first group, and it went great. It, yeah, it, I'm joking, but really, it's true that it takes both thinkers and feelers. That, that, you know, that, that's the reality, is that it takes both thinkers and feelers. And so even though I'm joking around, uh, to have that healthy discussion, because if, if you have feelers in your group, you're going to have some great heartfelt discussion. And if you have thinkers in your group, well, then you're going to be able to have some practical application that will make things so much more relevant. This last scale is a good one because it talks about how you approach so many other aspects of life. It's the structured versus flexible scale. Go ahead and look at where you think you fall on that. Are you more structured or flexible? Here's what they mean. If you're structured, you prefer to have deadlines, you prefer to have a tight schedule, and you like to know that things are going to happen at the right time. A structured person, if you tell them to meet at 9 a.m. for something, they're going to be there at 8.45, everything laid out, ready to go. If you tell a flexible person to be there at 9, then you shouldn't expect them until 9.15 or later. You just never know when they're going to show up. Now, where, did, where do you fall? Where does your spouse fall? Where, does your, where do your friends fall? That's interesting how opposites really do attract a lot of time in marriages as well. Now, in most situations, the Shooks, I'm going to be honest with you guys, we are a flexible group. Yep, we used to pretend that we were structured. We tried to convince ourselves, but we've come to grips with it, and we now wear our flexibility with a lot of pride. When we say we're going to all get together for dinner at some time, we just say, hey, come, time, come to dinner to my, over to my house sometime between 6 and 8. Show up whenever you want. Uh, we're having dinner. We don't worry about trying to have strict schedules anymore because we realize we're all just going to show up at different times. A life, full of flex, a life group that's full of flexible people would probably be a lot of fun, but you may never end up meeting, so I doubt it would last that long. Um, a life group full of structured people, though, may have issues or conflict over things that maybe don't matter quite as much. So again, it's always good to have that healthy mix of both structured and flexible people. At Woodlands Church, we have seen groups of all different sizes, shapes, and makeups thrive. We have uh, groups based on common interests, stage of life, and location. We've seen them do well, and the common factor in all the groups that have done well is that they cared about each other. And that's what it's all about. You need a regular support system that gets together on a regular basis. Now, do you have that? That is so important. At this point, I know some of you are probably thinking this. You're probably thinking, hey, everything you're saying is good. It's good to be in a life group, and I enjoy life groups. But the reality is, Ryan, life groups are a challenge. It's hard. And I'm going to be honest with you. It is hard. Okay? If you're in a group, it can be a challenge. To, if you're in a group right now, it can be a challenge to stay consistent. If you're not in a group, it can be hard to find a group, and it can be hard to find the right fit. And if you're feeling called to step out, it can be hard to take that next step of faith that God's calling you to do. For me, I will honestly ask my wife sometimes, hey, um, is it okay we skip life group this week? Because I'm just not really feeling it. And she says, no, because we need it more than anybody, and we're hosting it. So no, you can't do that. And, but, and so even though I may try to avoid it, the reality is, is every time I have a life group meeting, after that time, I always leave that time, no matter how my week has gone, feeling refreshed, re-energized, knowing I have a family of support who cares and really wants to see me thrive. Do you have that? I'm look, I think that that's something that God wants you to have desperately.
Now, some of you have tried to be in a group in the past, or you might have even tried to host a group in the past, and it just hasn't worked out the way you thought it was. I think God's challenging you. Step past those barriers. Some of you here have a group, but you haven't met in a long time, so it's time for somebody to take the initiative and get people back together. And then others of you are in a good group of friends. You don't call it a life group, but you're basically hanging out like a life group, and you just need to add some spiritual discussion. Once you do that, you can call it a life group, and you'll, you are living in community. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, I can tell you this for sure. God has designed you and wants you to be in community. He's called you to it. The world will tell you that it's too awkward, it's way too hard, it's too time-consuming, it's too uncomfortable to be in community. But that's exactly the opposite of what God says. God says you were called for it, you were designed to do it, you need to be in community for you to grow. That is what the Christian life is all about. In your program is a card. If you pull it out, you'll see it on one side it says, Join a team. On the other side, it says join a group. Jordan's going to talk about the team aspect soon, but I want to tell you about joining a group. All you have to do is fill this card out. I want you to drop in the offering basket, whether you're in a group now and looking to grow in your group, whether you're looking for a new group, or if you really want to start a group. The reason I want you to do this is not so much because we're going to sign you up and get you involved in something right away. It just means that you're taking a spiritual step and saying, I don't know the exact step I need to take, but I need help. So when you, when you fill out this card, you're not saying that you're going to be doing a group tomorrow. We're not going to come knock on your door every day. It's just saying you want to take that first step towards connection, and then we're going to come alongside you and help you figure out what that looks like for your, your unique situation and scenario. It's going to be so important for you to do this. Now, all you have to do is take that card, drop it in the offering basket at the end of the service, or even better, take it with you out to the lobby, and our Life Groups team is going to be out there to talk with you if you have any questions. In a moment, Jordan's going to come out and tell us about the next two crucial points for connection. I'm really excited about it. It's really, really good, and he has some great stories. But before he does, I want you to hear from Jeremy and Jessica, two of our life group people at Atascacita who are doing a great job and growing together. Take a look. I didn't want to join small groups <laughs> right from the very beginning. My wife did. She was like, we've got to get into small groups. Again, we were dating at this point in time, but uh, she was like, we've got to get into small groups. We've got to get connected. And I was like, no, I, I don't know these people. Um, I don't want to start opening up and sharing the, the nitty gritty and the ins and outs of my life with some strangers. My name is Jeremy Esslinger, and this is my beautiful wife, Jessica. And we've been going to Woodlands Church now for about five years. We originally uh, joined our small group because our campus pastor and his wife, they asked us to come and it was a married group. And at the time we were just dating and so we didn't really know what to expect. I didn't want to join small groups <laughs> right from the very beginning. Um, but reluctantly, I, I went and the first night it wasn't why don't you go ahead and lay out all of your sins that you've committed? It wasn't, why don't you air out your dirty laundry in front of us? It was, why don't you just enjoy, you know, being at this house? Let us just love on you. And from the very first night, it, it became more than a small group. It just became a family for me. We came in and they just treated us like we were a normal family and uh, we just absolutely loved it. We actually started growing super close uh, with the people that we we started going with and uh, we just really enjoyed it. I think in the small group that we lead now, um, just to be able to have a conversation with someone outside of the group and they say, look, I wasn't sure about this group and for the last three months I've just been sitting and listening and observing, but God started speaking to me and then 
I just started seeing this change. And now uh, some of these issues and these battles and these struggles that I've been dealing with are not battles and struggles anymore. Now they're by the wayside and moving forward. And I never thought I would be able to overcome this. And so um, being able to witness that and just be a small part in someone else's life in that aspect, uh, that, that God change uh, yeah. is just, it's pretty amazing to see and to witness. Many times it's not comfortable stepping into a small group or even once you decide you want to take that leadership role and start leading people or leading a small group, like that can be scary. But so many times God uses people in the Bible that they shouldn't have been worthy enough or they shouldn't have been able to do it. But He always does it and He always uh, comes through in that. When my wife was going into labor, she experienced some complications afterwards, but the first people that were there were people from our small group, and they were there to support us and show that encouragement and also to pray with us. So um, definitely joining a small group, it's, it's not just a, a, a thing that you do. It's not just a church thing, but it, it's you know, living life with people that you love. This past year's been a hard year. And this church and this family has came through in a way I can't even explain. That's what family is about. And that's why it's so important to get connected. Well, how awesome is is that sorry how awesome is that yeah feel free to give that a round of applause we love jeremy and jessica they're a huge part of our church family here especially out in atascacita well, once again my name is jordan alpha i'm the high school pastor here um, and i don't know if you guys are like me at all but i love weddings I love weddings. My wife, Megan, and I, we're in our late 20s now, so between friends and family, coworkers, we've been to our fair share of weddings now, and um, I just love them so much. There's so many fun aspects, and I know weddings are different in a lot of senses, but in a traditional wedding, right, there's so many cool parts that, are, that, that make it so fun. First, you have the ceremony. You have, uh, you know, both sides coming together. You get to see the doors open, maybe, and the bride's walking down the aisle. You look at the groom's face to see if he's, you know, a wuss who cries eyes. Just kidding. I, I bawled like a baby in mine. It's fine. But, but you see that that's a cool part. I love, the, I love the ceremony, but that's not my favorite part of a wedding. Then you go to the reception maybe and there's food, right? There's cake. Come on. We like cake, right? Cake is nice. Uh, there's speeches. A lot of fun to see. Once again, more insight into this amazing couple and how they've, you know, their love story and being a part of it. It's, it's cool and I love that, but it's not my favorite part of a wedding. My favorite part of the wedding has got to be the dance floor. Okay, because you get to participate in America's favorite pastime, people watching. Yes, you know what I'm talking about, right? And, I, and between all these weddings, I feel like I've seen some common characters, right? Almost some dance floor stereotypes that are there at almost every wedding. And I wanna share some of those with you. The first one is pretty near and dear to my heart because I am a, a very proud member of this club and that is the insanely sweaty guy. Uh, on the dance floor, okay? You will notice the insanely sweaty guy, first and foremost, because he's insanely sweaty. Also, you will see that the buttons are, are taken down two or three past what's publicly appropriate. That is for ventilation, it's very important. The necktie will be loosened and worn around the head as a headband to keep sweat from the eyes, okay? It's all very important stuff. If you are the sweaty guy or you've seen the sweaty guy, you know it's a very real thing. And you know that if you're suspecting a spin, 
then you need to back up about five to 10 feet, all right? Because there is a splash zone, that's a very real thing, and it does affect us all, okay? So watch out for the sweaty guy. There's also the elderly couple, the older couple that dominates the slow songs, okay? It is so intimidating. They just hover around the dance floor pretending to talk or whatever, but they know what they're really doing. They're waiting for that tempo to slow down, and so they go out there and just intimidate everyone. It's awesome. My wife is always like, babe, we need to be that. I'm like, never. I will never go out there when they're out there. Uh Uh-uh, you cannot make me. It's intimidating. They're so good. Every movement is so perfect, right? The next one, also intimidating, is the person who just is so good at dancing and is right in the middle of the dance circle. And while they're in the middle of the dance circle, everybody loves it. You're like, whoa, this is crazy. Were they like a backup dancer for Beyonce? Like, what is this? Wow. And then they leave the dance circle and everybody's like, not me. Not me. Please, anyone but me, right? Your friend shoves you. It's terrifying. You see that all the time. This one, I don't think I've seen at many weddings, but I saw one time and it is worth mentioning. And this is the every song deserves a conga train guy. I swear, you know, I'll be two-stepping with my bride or enjoying, you know, some, somewhat of a slower dance and then just a guy will just, hey, and just, dude, read the room, man. Get out of here. What are you doing? I'm also kind of jealous because I love conga trains. They're so fun. But you see them. You see all these things on the dance floor. The one group that is at every wedding I've absolutely ever been to and is so much fun to watch are all the little kids. Yeah? You see them come out there. They're generally the first ones on the dance floor. Sometimes they come out at the inappropriate time, right? In the middle of the daddy-daughter dance or something, and you're like, hop, chop, chop, ah, and they're just dancing and flailing and doing their thing. And the funniest thing to me about the little kids is that, let's be honest, they're bad dancers. They're not good. You think that your kid might be like some prodigy, but no. Until they win the dance award show TV thing, they know they're bad, okay? But they don't care. And that's the funniest thing to me, is that even if they do know they're bad, they just want to dance because it's fun. They want to dance because that is where the action is. That's what they love to do. So they dance. In a certain aspect, I think we can all relate to that. We were there at some point. We did what we love to do. Who cares what people are going to think? Who cares what people are going to say? I love to do that thing, so I'm going to do that. Somewhere along the line, though, I think we lose that. Somewhere along the line, we start to wonder a little bit more about how we look in that situation. See, the first four years of my pastoral career here at Woodlands Church, I was a junior high pastor. Yeah, middle school pastor. Those beautiful ages of sixth to eighth grade, right? That age range, 10 to 14, hilariously awkward. We were all there at one point. Most people regard this as the worst years of their life, okay? And it's funny because you are going through all of these strange growth spurts, right? Like, or in my case, no growth spurt. It's whatever. I'm not bitter. You know, it just would have been nice to talk to a girl who wasn't taller than me. That's all I'm going to say. You know what I mean? But that's what junior high is, right? There's all these hilarious things. Your voice is changing. I did not have a great start to my junior high career. I did not. I had an accident in a basketball game. I ended up colliding face first with my friend Chris, and I split my eyelid open. We went to the ER, they cleaned the wound, they got everything ready, and the doctor said, hey, we can either stitch this puppy up or we can use this new glue stuff. And I said, yo, doctor, ain't no way I'm gonna have no needlework next to my eye. Let's go for the glue, okay? He said, awesome, we'll do that, but you cannot touch it. You cannot touch it, you cannot touch it. You cannot touch it. So I said, got it, I won't do that. I touched it. 
Anyways, fast forward to that next weekend. My eye is pretty much healed by this point. It's great. He said, don't touch the glue. It'll eventually peel off on its own. No big deal. I'm in my Saturday morning routine. I plop myself in front of the couch. I get a salad bowl that I filled with cereal and a half gallon of milk, right? I get a nice big wooden spoon. This is a typical junior high boy behavior, okay? I'm just doing what we all did in that. We're very interesting creatures, okay? So I'm doing that, and I feel an itch, and I know I'm not supposed to touch my eye, but I just, you know, I just feel for a second, and whoa, there's like a little, like, tag there. And so I'm like, whatever, it's pretty much already healed, definitely. And so I peel it off, and it is so satisfying. It reminds me, if you've ever been in any arts and crafts situation, if you have like the Elmer's glue and you spin the top and there's that little cap, you peel that off, so satisfying. Come on, you guys got to know that, right? And then I had like an endless supply of that on my face. And so junior high Jordan is just going to town and I just start peeling and it hurts a little bit, but it's so worth it. And I find this rhythm of peel, 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 cereal, peel, 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 cereal. And I'm just going, I'm just going, I'm just going until I get a particularly large piece of art. I'm like, oh mama, that's a good one, okay? And so I go to inspect my work, right? And as I do it, I notice that's weird. There's a little, there's a little hair in there. Huh. Flick it off, get another one. Yeah, more hair. That is just so weird. <laughs> Ow. You know, just. Oh. oh, no. And so I sprint to my parents' bathroom and I look in, in shock as I have just peeled off 80% of my left eyebrow. <laughs> it's just gone. There's like a little ball right here, and this is just gone, bald. And I scream and I'm freaking out. And so I, I, I follow my little 11 to 12 year old impulses and I grab my dad's beard trimmer and I just the other 20%. But now it's uneven. It looks even worse. And so and I just freak out. What have I done? I'm screaming. I'm crying. My mom runs up to the bathroom. She sees me. She's screaming. She's crying because her baby has just turned into a monster. It is just, oh, it's horrible. It's like, mom, I'm not going to church. I'm not going to school. You can't make me. I need to fake my death. We need to move. I don't know. Witness protection. Why am I the only one with good ideas here? What is going on? She made me go to school. She made me go to church. Luckily, back in those, like, you know, whatever, how long ago that was, it was really cool for junior high boys to have hair down to, like, their chins, okay? So I had that. I was rocking that. But I played basketball, okay? So whenever I would run, it would, like, like go back and people go, right? They drop the ball and I take it. Thank you. It was awesome. It worked out in my favor, right? But, but junior high, I mean, that's what it is, right? It is this, this peak time of awkwardness in our life. We're growing like crazy, but in the midst of that growth, we're hitting like major roadblocks. We're losing a little bit of that innocence, a little bit of that naivety that comes from being little. And when you're little, you just worry about yourself, right? It's just me, I, what do I want? I'm hungry. I have to go to the bathroom, right? And then at some point, we start to get a little bit more aware of our surroundings. But in that awareness, we pick up how we are being perceived. Well, what will they think? 
Who, who do they think I should hang out? If, if I hang out with these people, what, what are they going to say? If I do this thing, what, what are they going to think? We eventually get to this place where we stop. We refuse to do the things that we have to do. We refuse to do the things that we want to do or even that we love to do because we're way too worried about other people's thoughts. And that may begin in junior high. That may start there in middle school, but that doesn't leave us. No. We may grow up, but we're still dealing with those fears and insecurities for the rest of our lives. And you may laugh at the insecurities of a child, but, but, but most of us have never left that junior high mindset. We still battle our insecurities day in and day out. It's just a new scene, right? They just manifest themselves in new ways. We used to compare ourselves in PE class or in sports, but now at the gym, we struggle with comparing our bodies with other people. We don't feel good enough. Maybe at work, we're comparing ourselves financially or mentally with other people. At church, spiritually, we don't feel like we're good enough. Or, oh, if I just, you know, had a little bit more faith, maybe then I could raise my hands. Or maybe, oh, I wish I could, I wish I could worship like that, but no, I don't want people to get the wrong idea. Maybe we're too afraid to be labeled the overbearing or the lame parent, and so we don't discipline our kids the way we should. Uh, we don't set the boundaries we know our children need. You don't feel capable. You don't feel qualified at work or in your family life. How is it, how is it that we can move forward if we are just running straight into these giant roadblocks of fear and insecurity? We feel the need to put up this image that we are the perfect coworker, that we are the perfect parent, we are the perfect neighbor, the perfect church member, when in reality, all God wants us to do is feel comfortable with who we are and be vulnerable and put us in a place where he will allow us to grow. All this fear is limiting our growth. And even though it's been a while since junior high, we're still living in that junior high mindset. We want so badly to step into the crazy adventurous life that God has before us, that he's planned out, that he's laid out, but we're too afraid of rejection to take the first step. Point number three is this. Go ahead and put it in your notes. Connect for growth. Connect for growth. Because for me, I think the hardest thing about dealing with my insecurities and with this fear is that when I go to those weddings, I do want to be out on the dance floor. I do want to go and do that because I love to dance. Dancing is fun. But I don't want to go out there by myself. What are people going to say? What are they going to think? I have a hard time getting out there without people with me. And if we want to run with this analogy even further about this wedding, what's the point that we even go there? Is it to eat all their food, eat all their cake, and people watch? No, those might be the highlights, but that's not why we're there. We're there to celebrate the happy couple. They have invited us into this, this, this union between them so that as they take the next step in their life, as they move forward, we can celebrate that with them. We can bless them in that, and we can send them off. But if we're too worried about ourselves, if we make their wedding about us and how we're going to be perceived, then we are not going to be able to step into that purpose that we have been invited and we do this so much in God's church. We do. We say, let's leave the dancing, right? Let's leave the, let's leave the serving. Let's leave the life groups. Let's leave the, the worship. Let's leave inviting others. Let's leave that to the other people. Let's leave that to them. Let's leave that to the kids, the next generation. They don't know what they look like yet. Let them do it. 
I think the Bible takes this an, an, an even further step. It says here in Romans 12, verses four and five, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. That's crazy. We need each other to get past the fear and insecurity. We need each other to go out and enjoy the dance floor together. In fact, the verse says that we don't just need each other, but that we belong to each other. Go ahead, underline that last part of that verse. We belong to each other. Because the way the Bible talks about the church, it uses this analogy that we are the body of Christ. And if we are not going where the body is going, if we are not moving where the body is moving, then we are actively going against our purpose in the body. If a leg woke up and spoke to the other leg and said, hey, I don't feel like walking today, well, then you are going to look strange compared to what you could be doing, right? If we're going in that direction, we must go. We are all the body of Christ, and we all belong to each other so that we can spur each other on and push through that fear and ultimately grow together. We can't afford to stay stagnant in our growth even when we are going together. We have to continue pushing forward. There's an accountability that comes with doing life openly and doing life together. And if we, are, if we are pushing each other on, if we are spurring one another on, then we will grow. And the cool thing is that God will take care of the blessing. God will take care of the growth. We just need to be vulnerable enough to put ourselves out there and go where the blessing is, which is through the church. It says here in Colossians 2, verse 19, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. Whether you realize it or not, you desperately need the nourishment that comes through connection. With that, we can grow spiritually, we can grow mentally, we can grow emotionally, and we can grow relationally, but we must grow together. We can't be too afraid of rejection to take that next baby step. We have to lean in together, be the body of Christ that God wants us to be so that we can move forward together. Our next point is this, connect for effectiveness. You see, we can't be the best body of Christ, this church can't be the best body of Christ that it can possibly be without you being connected to the team. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says this in verse 27, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Go ahead and underline together, and then each of you. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. If the team is missing you, it will not. It cannot be as effective. This church cannot go where it needs to go without you. Every year, we do something pretty cool in the student ministry. We host a gigantic volleyball tournament called King of the Beach. We have over 100 teams. It's three on three. It's double elimination. It is so much fun. It lasts four days. But what makes King of the Beach unique is that you don't bring your own team to this tournament. No way. You sign up as an individual, either an A, a B, or a C player. 
And it's pretty funny, right? It makes the teams a little more even, but it makes it to where there's A players, people who play volleyball. They've, they've played at some sort of level of competition. They, they know volleyball. They're good at volleyball. That or they're freaky tall or freaky athletic, and it's, they're an A player. Next, you'll have a B player, someone who understands volleyball, right? They, okay, three hits over the net. They can serve it over the net. And then there's a C player. Well, that's everybody else, right? It's no matter who you are, right? It's we need you. But that's what's so cool about this tournament is that it doesn't work. It cannot be a success without everybody coming together to play. And it ultimately boils down what makes this tournament successful is, is what is the purpose? What is the reason why we play in the tournament? Is it to be the biggest sand volleyball tournament in the state of Texas? I mean, that would be really cool, but that's not why we do it. Is it to play volleyball at the highest level of competition so ESPN sees us and we get a cool 30 for 30 documentary? I mean, that would be great, but that is not why we play. You see, yes, we're playing volleyball, but the reason we host this tournament is for at the end of the summer, our church comes together, we hang out. Yeah, we play volleyball. We talk, we connect, we eat, we spend time together over four days, and it is so much fun. It's a big family reunion. That is what makes it successful. Well, what is the purpose of this church? Because in the same way that King of the Beach only works if we're all together, this body of Christ will only be as effective if we are all together moving forward in the same direction. We can't afford to just be consumers of ministry. We can't. I love that you're here on a Sunday morning listening to the message. I love that you're tuning in online. I love that you're at our, 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 our satellite campuses and you're here with us worshiping. That's fantastic. But if this is all you're doing here at Woodlands Church, you're limiting your capacity and our capacity. Because the purpose of this church is to make a difference in the world. It is to be an effective body of Christ so that we can make an impact, not just in the Houston area, but in the world. It's not about being the biggest church. It can't be about that. It's not about being the best church. I don't even know what that means. It's about being a family. It's about being together, coming together to celebrate one another and to do life together. We will never be an effective family. We will not be the family that God wants us to be if you are on the sidelines. So I beg you, come and join the dance floor. Hop on, dance with us, do life with us, get connected, start serving in a group, get connected to a life group. We can't afford for you not to. Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The truth is this, is that right now, somebody's holding my baby so I can be up here. They're doing their part so I can do my part. Are they the best at holding babies? I don't know. I'm sure they're so qualified. And I know we have an amazing preschool uh, a ministry that puts together a fantastic team. But I don't know. What I do know is that I can't do my part without them. I can't be up here speaking and preaching without them. I know that as you walked through the doors today, somebody said hello to you. Somebody handed you your notes. Somebody, somebody greeted you with a smile. Maybe somebody drove you in on a golf cart up to the church. We are all a part of this team. 
And we need each other. We belong to each other. And we have to be going where the church is going. Pastor Kerry says it all the time. We are not a church with life groups. We're a church of life groups. We need those weekend teams to funnel in and support Pastor Kerry or whoever's speaking every single week so that this family can be as awesome as possible because we do serve an awesome God and we need this broken world to see what we're doing here at Woodlands Church and to come be a part of it. We need to constantly be welcoming them onto the dance floor. But before we can do that, you need to do that. So join this team. Get connected here at Woodlands Church. It's never been easier than it is right now. Ryan showed you this card early. I'm gonna show you again. On one side it says join a team. The other it says join a life group. Are you connected here at Woodlands Church? We need you, we want you. Take some time, fill it out. I'm not encouraging you, I am telling you as your pastor. Yeah, authority, Ugh. We need you, I need you. Because as Mark was sharing, as Ryan is sharing, as I'm telling you, this church is going forward. We are moving forward. And I don't wanna see that limited. I love that we are a part of this big, big, big family because we can make a big, big difference. Now, are you a part of it? Let me pray for you guys. Heavenly Father God, Lord, you're so good. God, I thank you for what you're doing here at Woodlands Church. God, first and foremost, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for what you've done in my life. I thank you for what you've done in my amazing brothers and sisters' lives out here. God, we're broken. God, there's so many things that hold us back. Our selfishness. God, this, this world... I'm just so grateful that I serve a God, that I love a God who chose me when I was unchoosable, God, who, who welcomed me into his family when I did not belong. And I thank you that you're using this family to reach so many people. God, we give this message to you. God, I hope it spoke to their hearts. I just ask that you, you, you continue to increase the boldness in this room, God. If somebody's on the verge of serving, if somebody's on the verge of joining a group, if somebody wants to get connected but doesn't know how or doesn't feel like it's time, God, I just ask that you give them that extra little push in their hearts to go and to be where you are here in the church. We love you, Lord. And God, I know that it's a crazy thought that you chose to use us to spread your gospel but God, we're ready. We want it, and we want to do as awesome of a job as you'll, as you'll let us. So we love you, God, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.